Hello, and welcome to another episode of Two Hearts, a new Who podcast. I am Callum. And I'm James, and you are everything I despise, the worst sin in all creation. I've defeated you time and time again. I've defeated you. I sent you back into the void. I've saved the whole of reality from you. I am the Doctor, and you are a podcast. And every fortnight here on Two Hearts, we take a look at another episode from the Doctor Who Revival. And on today's episode, it is the return of the Dreaded Daleks in episode 3 of series 5, Victory of the Daleks. As always, just a quick reminder that you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, at Two Hearts Pod. That's two, the number two. Or if you have some long-form thoughts and feelings, uh, you can email us at twoheartspodcast at gmail.com. And that's two, the word two. Callum, it's time for some funny banter and something from your life. Well, we actually do have some funny banter and things from our lives that not only involve one another, <clears throat> but involve Doctor Who. Huh. True. So true. Uh, this weekend, by which we mean, uh, so we're recording this on the twelfth um, of July. <laughs> this weekend, just in case this um, comes out in August. Of July. <laughs> that's. As this is definitely coming out in August. Um, uh, we were privy uh, or treated to a screening of the two 1960s uh, Doctor Who films, uh, which are called... Doctor Who and the Daleks and Daleks Invasion Earth 2150 AD. Exactly. Uh, we got to see them on the big screen at uh, Palace Nova in the city. There was a Dalek in the foyer. Two. Um, and they were certainly two films. They... <laughs> you... Now, that sounds like you didn't like it, but I know for a fact you did enjoy yourself. I... I enjoyed the novelty of them for sure. Like I, I think that they are fascinating, uh, sort of like monuments to the history of the of the property of Doctor Who. Um, I, I definitely think there's a lot of good entertaining value in both of the films. But in both of them, there was definitely times where I was just like, I want to go to sleep. Um, I didn't though. I stayed awake. No, you didn't. And I, I, I was sitting beside you mildly during the first one, mildly concerned that I was like, I had dragged you into something. <laughs> That you were not enjoying. The, the first one... Yeah, so Doctor Who and the Daleks, just before we get into anything else, like, let's have a quick discussion about these two films. Um, I, I definitely feel like Doctor Who and the Daleks, and you said this to me when we were leaving as well, that everyone generally agrees that it should end once they escape from the uh, the city the first time. Uh, because it feels like it has, like, a natural sort of, like, rise of tension and dread up until that point. And then suddenly there's just, like, 40 minutes, it feels like, of extra film at the end there. Um, and... You know, there was definitely a lot to enjoy in that last 40 minutes. Like, I had a good time. The the Dalek that wouldn't stop counting down to the neutron <laughs> bomb dropping, I think, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in Doctor <laughs> Who. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that first one definitely dragged. It, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because I feel like people, the general critical consensus is that these movies are not good and are purely just for entertainment purposes. But they do often come back to the idea that the first one is the better film. I think the first one looks better. It definitely has a, a, a an altogether more fantastic, um, epic kind of scope to it. But I, it is I, I do find it very dull in a lot of parts. 
Yeah. Um, but the Daleks... I also think that the... Um, no, oh, I was sorry, just going to yes. say the Daleks just look incredible in that film. And that's, that's the main yeah. reason why anyone was seeing these films in the 60s, really. Like, mm-hmm. to see those icons of British television on the big screen. Even now, I'm like, fuck, yeah. we and should, like, the, what, where's the Dalek movie now? <laughs> exactly. I, I, I do know what, exactly what you mean. It, even as a bit of a Dalek naysayer, um, it is thrilling to see them on the mm. big screen like that. Um, and I, I think it's funny that people generally think the first one is better because I think the second one is a little shoddier in a lot of ways. The production's a bit more ramshackle and there's definitely not as good a writing going on with its character work. But conceptually, I think 2055 is a much more engaging film for all of its war commentary. It, it doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? Um, <laughs> um, for, for its war commentary, I think it's much more interesting. And I, I definitely remember thinking it looked a lot better to, to my eyes, at least. Like, I think there's a lot of personality and a lot of texture mm. in the way that they film the kind of, like, dystopian war-torn future there. Um, yeah, I... Yeah, like, talking about them, I, I did have a good time. I mean, the sec- I'm really glad to hear that, by the way. Um, <laughs> the second one is for sure a much more rollicking ride. But I also do feel like <clears throat> they put a lot of effort into that first section with the chase and the escape from the ship. Cause there's so many extras. There's so yeah. much happening in that like um, barrage scene. Um, and it's so thrilling. But then once there's characters and they're all split up and they're just slowly treading up to the North of England. Um, yeah. it, it did drag a little bit. My favorite, bit i've got two favorite bits my favorite bit was this one weird lingering shot so there's an actor called philip maddock who plays a um like a gun runner type he's got a like a black market thing and he's um selling food to miners captured Mm. humans in the mines it's a lot of detail anyway um and he there's this like one (laughs) shot where he says something like i know how we can get in there and then the camera just stays on him for like 30 seconds it feels like and he's just Mm. grinning down the camera um very odd my second favorite bit is when the one adult female character louise she has a name (laughs) oddly enough um when the doctor's like giving everyone orders and then he's like okay and you man you take louise and find her a good hiding spot (laughs) (laughs) it's like is that how we're gonna treat women in the 60s it, it, it was weirdly disappointing because I, I, I was definitely impressed with the first one um, in that all of the companions felt very fleshed out and very much like they had roles to play within that little quartet that they had going on there, right? Um, and then so to see two of them not return in the next one and then, you know, Louise, who like... The actress was stunning. When I saw her face, I was like, oh, we are in for a treat with you. And then the movie just does literally nothing with her. And it's quite sad, actually. Um, But that aside, I think my two favorite bits were, and mine are actually sincere favorite bits. The two uh, women who live on the edge of the woods um, who end up collaborating with the Daleks to turn in uh, the the humans that are escaping, um, I think is like a really creepy and effective sequence of like war commentary. Um, And there's a shot early on when um, 
the main characters get caught up in like the resistance movement inside of London and the Daleks do like a radio broadcast being like, yo, the game is up. Like you're going to die anyway. Just come out now. And it's just like, it's like a dead silent room in sort of this weird half light. And it's just going to all the different faces of all these resistance fighters. And they're all kind of like semi or completely sort of enveloped by shadow. Mm. And it's just such an effective, creepy bit of like, I I felt something in those moments. Um, And yeah, I, I do think that's impressive. Like I, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's entertaining. Um, and, you know, you don't think about it much after it's over. Much like today's no. episode of Doctor Who. <laughs> yes, yes. We'll get to that in just a moment. Uh, there is a little bit of news that I wanted to mention today. Uh, so Yasmin Finney has done an interview where she confirmed that the character she's playing in the show, Rose, is going to be trans as, as well as Yasmin is herself. Um, and, you know, like as as a podcast that wants to see this show get queerer, um, having, you know, visible and openly trans characters on the show is, is very exciting. And I think, you know, hopefully indicative of where, uh, Russell is sort of headed with it. Right. Oh, I have to assume. Yes. Because it, so yeah, when I read this news, I was very uh, equally excited. Um, the, the news was actually broken at the London pride festival parade. I want to say, um, and okay. because Yasmin was there with the cast of Heartstopper that she's also in, um, and it was part of a, an overall sort of call for trans rights. <clears throat> um, mm-hmm. so I would like to see this backed up by the makers of the show, but I think that's just my own like little, uh, doomsaying voice in the back of my head. Um, but yeah. I think it is, if it's true and I hope that to God it is, and I know there's no reason why it shouldn't be. Um, it's amazing. And another great step forward. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, and this isn't really news, but, uh, Shudi Gatwa has said that he would like Gillian Anderson to play <laughs> a villain on Doctor Who. And as a podcast that has been very vocal before about its love of Gillian Anderson and the potential of her in Doctor Who, uh, that would just be great. I, I just sincerely hope that happens one day. It wouldn't it? Like we were just saying before we started recording, like if Gillian Anderson did decide to appear, like she was like, oh, I want to be in the show one day. I would be, Mm. if I was running Doctor Who, I'd be doing everything in my power to make that happen. It is a crime that it hasn't happened yet. Absolutely. Honestly. I know. I just love the the mental image of her being like, hi, Russell, uh, Gillian Anderson here. I'm coming to Doctor Who. (laughs) Make it work. (laughs) And like, you know, we we know Russell has like star pulling power. He had Emma Thompson in years and years. Um, Mm, That's true. He's already got like, who's that actor that I... I personally don't like, but everyone seems to really enjoy. Um, Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> oh, yes. You know, and look, and he is a huge star for the show to get for this uh, uh, series of specials. Special, he absolutely is. I, even, I, I can concede that point <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It, you know, maybe it will happen. Maybe, maybe. But for today, we are focused on the far distant past. No, not that. You, you well, know what I'm saying. It's Doctor Who, time travel. Victory of the Daleks. Let's go. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Winston Churchill. Doctor, is it you? Cabinet war rooms, right? Yeah. I have something to show you. Our new secret weapon. 
This is one of my Ironsides. You're what? I am your soldier. He didn't invent their alien. They will win me the war. They're up to something, but what is it? What are they after? I've defeated you time and time again. I saved the whole of reality for you. I am the Doctor. And you are the Daleks. It's the restoration of the Daleks. Victory of the Daleks is episode three of series five of the Doctor Who revival. It was written by Mark Gatiss and directed by Andrew Gunn. Uh, as is our new custom, we are going to try and smash out this plot description in 60 seconds. Callum has a timer and he is going to, he's going to, I'm going gonna, gonna to gonna, um, get you into it. Okay. So, all right. You know, have you got, you've got the, the episode in your head. You're ready to go. Uh, you know, sure. You're Why not? I definitely have something in my head. All right. Well, I can't wait to see what you come out with. And <clears throat> I'm going to count you in. Okay. okay. Three. All right. Two. One. Okay, so uh, Amy and the Doctor end up in uh, World War II. Uh, when they get there, they meet Winston Churchill, who introduces them to a scientist friend of his called Bracewell. Uh, Bracewell has created these things that he calls Ironsides. Turns out the Ironsides are actually Daleks. And in turn, it turns out that the Daleks actually created Bracewell, who is an android who was sent to Earth to create the Daleks so that the Daleks could lure the Doctor there and use his voice code to unlock a some sort of time seconds. vault thing in which pure Daleks still exist uh, the, the vault gets unlocked pure Daleks emerge killing the old Daleks uh, they threaten to blow up the planet uh, the, the Doctor and his war buddies have like a, a shootout with the machines in space um, and then Bracewell was about to blow up because there's a bomb inside of him and Amy seconds. convinces him that human humanity and heartbreak is good, he doesn't blow up and the Daleks get away 4 seconds to spare Yeah. well it's a very light episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not looking forward to doing the Angels two parter next week. Oh, I might, I might give you a minute thirty for that. Thank you. That would be, yeah, such generosity. Appreciated. <laughs> I mean, I, anyway, um, well done, good job. And I feel like I know that episode better now. Thank you. So thanks. Yeah, I mean, don't we all? <laughs> um, Victory of the Daleks, Callum. What do you think? Hmm. Victory of the. Well, was it a victory? Who, who was it a victory for? I mean... Is the question. It was a victory for the Daleks, I would say. Yes. Uh, yes. Plot-wise, uh, they very much won the day. Um, did I win by sitting through that? Mm, I'm not so sure. This is not my favourite episode of Series 5 of Doctor Who. This is probably... I'm just thinking about all the... It's probably my second least favourite episode. Interesting. Um, Wait, what's your least favourite Of this episode? season. Uh, yeah. Well, we're coming up to it, but the lodger. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the yeah. lodger. Mm, yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. Um, anywho. Anywho. <laughs> and that's for some very clear and definable reasons. Anyway, um, this uh, this look. The thing is, I, I I didn't not enjoy it when I was watching it. I was, and every time I do watch this episode, I do sit there and I am like, oh great, this is a war movie. This is like you know Daleks. This is guns in space this is lots of plot um all this kind of stuff but it is mm -hmm. those things are i feel like in this episode thoroughly designed to be distractions not interesting story beats and um th there isn't uh, there it, it there's a lot of 
there's a lot of stuff in this episode that just like doesn't sit right with me like the very particular kind of like pro-british stuff um is is <laughs> yeah. a particular it's, it's a particular predilection for mark gatus it's not my favorite thing in the world uh, and i think he's done it a lot better elsewhere when he's writing about britain like when he was writing about the 50s and in the idiot's lantern that evocation of that era yes. is much better yeah. this is um did gatus also do the um family of blood stuff no that was paul cornell yeah. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Sorry. I yeah. I was thinking about other Doctor Who stories that do the whole like nationalism kind of streak. Um. So yeah. Sorry. No. Continue. Well, I was just gonna say like he. This is his only his third story writing for the show because after series two he kind of dropped off the radar a little bit. Um. So this is his. But he comes back and I think he contributes at least one script and ep- a series until the end of Moffat's time. I think I could be. Oh, this is the Cold War dude. Okay, yeah, yeah sorry, I looked it up. Yeah, Mark Gatiss is pretty prolific, yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I just, I yeah. just, I just, I'm not the biggest fan of his particular like Britishness. Um, and it's mm-hmm. on full yeah, display in this fair. episode. Uh, I think the way that he writes Winston Churchill is pretty poor. Um, but there's also some nice stuff in here. So uh, I guess it's more of a mixed reaction. And the fact that they still find a lot yeah. I like in, in this episode, considering it's my second least favourite of this series, should, I hope, speak to the high quality of this series. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. What about you? Um, I I thought it was fine. Like, I, I'm, I'm just sort of, you know... It's a very uncomplicated 42 minutes of television. Um, you know, it, it's, it's brisk, it's light, um, it's... I think it gets some stuff really right. I am, you know, uh, it's it's obviously easier for me to sort of like um, list off critiques first up. Like, I think Amy's a bit wasted in this episode until the very mm-hmm. end. Um, or, you know, beginning and end, she's really good, but she's just not in the middle of the story at all. Um, the the Dalek redesign is obviously something that we're going to talk about as its own thing. Um, yeah, the the World War Two stuff is, is set dressing entirely. Like, there's just, there's nothing going on there at all. Um, and I agree that... Churchill feels to me he's just a caricature you know he he's not he's not a real person in this <laughs> in, in fact I wouldn't say any of the British people are real people um mm. you know like you've got a lot of extras running around being like oh my Johnny went off to the war in in a plane and so okay sure like it, it's it's just set dressing if that makes sense oh know? totally there's one particular character whose name is I think Breen um, that's what the subtitle said, which does not strike me as a very British name at all. Um, I've never heard <laughs> yeah. of it anyway. And there's this little recurring thread through the episode at the top of the episode where she's like, oh, that squadron that was hit down, that's what Ridge's plane was. And then there's a scene where mm. Churchill like is like, budge up, Breen, everything will be fine. And then at the end, <laughs> like, I think he he's dead, right? Or presumed missing. And yeah. it's like... Yeah, no, he, he, yeah, well, he's dead. He's yeah. dead. And there's these little, like, windows into this woman's life, but nothing, like, she is not a character. It it feels very forcibly no. inserted and is made all the worse by the fact that it's Amy who's, like, commenting on these things because she also, I think you rightly put, doesn't have much to do in this episode. 
So it feels very much like mm-hmm. I'll give Amy some stuff by commenting on this woman being sad. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It's clunky. Agreed. Agreed. It's an, it is clunky. I was thinking about this today as well. Uh, Like I know that on this show, we are fans of constantly saying that, you know, most things should be a two parter. Mm -hmm. Um, And I I don't want to always rest on that, Uh, especially given how little plot is actually going on in in this uh, episode, but it's setting and it's, potential i think actually speaks to what could have been a pretty good two-parter um like i I think revealing um bracewell as an android and then the the daleks ultimately you know coming out of that little cage and doing just fine Mm. uh as the end of part one would have been like a really good cliffhanger and then there you've got plenty of time to set up bracewell as a person with a history on on earth or a presumed history on earth um you can do some war commentary stuff you can flesh out those other characters like breen and whatnot um because I, I think that the setting and the ideas of this story um, are actually, like, very fun. Mm. Um, like, the, the the idea that, like, the Doctor shows up in World War Two and the Brits have a insane advantage over the enemy because they've discovered Daleks is such a goofy idea. Um, and I love it. I, I wholeheartedly adore the first time you see the Daleks in this because they are actually done up like um, military garb with, like, the little British flag on their their head and everything. It's, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, and there's just, there's a lot of potential with all of this. And ultimately, I think it just kind of spins its wheels in the middle by having uh, Matt Smith meet the Daleks for the first time and do a bunch of like big speeches and stuff. And that stuff is fine. It's just, it never really elevates above fine. It, it, yeah, you're, you're right. It, it stays at that very surface level throughout. It stays, I guess what it reminds me of is just like, not a first draft, but like a first effort. There hasn't been a lot of deviation Mm-hmm. to develop yeah. the story beyond the immediate sort of setup. Um, the setup of this episode is from, I think from Moffat was just Churchill versus Daleks, um, which is <laughs> okay. a fun place to start from, but it it's also where it, this episode ends. It doesn't go beyond that in any mm-hmm. real exactly. uh, kind of tangible way. I mean, obviously there's the, the Daleks like- and there's the oh. new paradigm, um, but, that that's sort of set dressing to well exactly it's there for one scene and then they move on from it um which is odd because when you say churchill versus the daleks right like i hear that and i think to myself okay um and and i think it's an inspired turn to make it so the daleks are working with the british initially right um because then you've got a whole bunch of like the daleks being a commentary on nazism themselves cycles of violence uh war analogies in an actual war um what does it mean for the quote-unquote good guys to start using the tools of the the bad guys even if they're just in a metaphorical sense the dialect version of, of those same tools do you know what i mean like it's it's bubbling right mm. there like it you could easily turn the heat up a little bit and have a fantastic story but instead you just get an okay one but i think that also just speaks to what they wanted to get out of this episode which isn't anything particularly deep just purely entertainment mm-hmm. um I think yes. this episode, this uh, position in the series between two establishing episodes and a two-parter, which will bring back River and has a lot of good Amy stuff in it, it it's kind of... I hate the idea that there's any episode of Doctor Who that's perceived as filler, but this is mm-hmm. a sort of a filler episode. And the fact that it's also a Dalek episode is really quite shitty, because... Like, the first time Matt Smith mm-hmm. comes up against the Daleks should be, like, a... 
It should be like a big two-parter. It should be something momentous. Or, uh, yeah, I feel like dropping it into just like the third episode is, it's just a bit anticlimactic. Yeah, yeah, that's it. So shall we talk about uh, some of these characters we are presented with in this episode? Um, well, I mean, characters, yes, there's three of them. <laughs> well, um. the, who's the third one? The Daleks? Uh, I, I mean, I... No, I was going to say, um, Bracewell is technically a character. No, he is. I, I think there's only Winston and Bracewell really in this episode. And then you've got Amy and... Oh, I, well, I was like Amy, the Doctor and, uh, Bracewell. <laughs> and technically, you know, the Daleks are an entity, but they're, they're their own discussion. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, uh, Bracewell, you, you quite like where Bracewell's story goes, don't you? I mean, yeah, it's a sweet little story about, um, a man who finds out he's not real but comes to be human and i think mostly i enjoy i'm not the i'm not the biggest fan of that story beat in particular um but mm-hmm. i do like i really do quite like anything that gives amy something to do and so having the doctor try to so in the course of the episode bracewell finds out he's also a bomb planted by the daleks and he's going to go off and the doctor tries to appeal to his humanity to um to stop the bomb going off. And the Doctor's doing his usual. Mm-hmm. It's 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 exactly the same kind of beat as in Rings of Akaten, right? Where um, yeah, the Doctor's like doing a big blustery speech. He's like, remember when you lost your mum and you lost your girlfriend and oh, it was painful. Pain. That's human. Hold on to the pain. And then it doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And then Amy comes along and she's just like, hi, remember when you fell in love? That was... That was really cool, yeah. wasn't it? And it's and it's that emotion that brings him out and that brings him to find his humanity and stop the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Amy, I think Karen Gillan like really gets a lot out of that moment. I think the actor who plays Bracewell, like, I don't know his yeah. name, sorry. Um, he's really, he, he's quite sweet. I find him really sweet and cuddly. Um, mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah. and then it, it all culminates in this odd little scene where the, Doctor and Amy are both like, oh, we're going to go out and we're going to be away for 15 minutes. So don't you run away because we're going to come back and deactivate you. And he's, and then as a way of <laughs> getting it to pick up on the bay of like, get the fuck out of here. Um, but yeah. it is, it, it's ultimately mm-hmm. like very nice. And you're right. I would have liked to have seen it fleshed out over a longer runtime, possibly. Yeah. It would have been good. Um, I agree that uh, Amy's little moment with him at the end is is amazing. This is, again, like, it's the second episode in a row now where, like, the third act resolution is Karen Gillan getting to be like, hey, what if I was a bit quirky? <laughs> um, but in, like, a very sincere and good way. Um, like, I think having her there to do the classic companion thing of presenting an alternate perspective to the doctors that actually helps save the day um, is is quite good, especially because of the chemistry that Matt Smith and Karen Gillan have. Like, you can see the way he looks at her in those moments. He is just overwhelmed with, like, awe um, for, for the person that Amelia Pond is to him at this point. Mm. And I, I love their dynamic. Um 
There's a little bit on that I want to get to later, but I, I feel like my my last big note on Bracewell is that the so the revelation that Bracewell is an android built by the Daleks to build Daleks, <laughs> right, is such a convoluted and beautiful little plot uh, sort of beat. But the way that they reveal it, uh, so the Dalek starts like freaking out and being like, "Oh, we're going to go to war and blah blah blah," and Bracewell's like, "No, what are you talking about? I made you." And then the Dalek shoots his hand, blows it up, exposing the circuitry. He's like, "No, we made." you incredible so goofy <laughs> so entertaining and like you said at the top of the show like if, if what they set out to make here was just entertaining in those moments it thrives i knew you'd love that moment i don't know why i just was watching it and i was like <laughs> it's it's a very james beat. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is very it's very you um and it is a good moment it's a good reveal you're right um yeah hmm. it's good that's all that's my only real note on that um now, a- Amy and the Doctor is something I would like to talk about mm. a little bit um, because I-, I think they're one of the other tenets of, of this episode occasionally. Um, I when they first get into uh, the sort of the war bunkers and whatnot, and like they are both bouncing off the walls basically, like because this is Amy's first time to the past. Mm. Um, the Doctor is obviously enamored with history and seeing his friend Churchill again, um, and so like all of that is like really fun. And good. And then they get up to the roof to sort of see the blitz going on. And Amy's reaction shifts from, oh my God, I'm I'm seeing history to, oh my God, I'm, I'm seeing history. And this is horrifying. And her inability to sort of like put that into words. And she just stands there looking out over it going like, it's, it's. And he walks up behind her and his mood is now shifted because her perspective on history has shifted. He's like, yeah, it, it's history. Um, it, it's such a beautiful, somber beat between those two characters. And I think the contrast of of, you know, the initial thrill of time travel wearing off instantly for Amy because she sees, you know, actual horrible shit going on. Um, it's it's just a nice character beat for, for both of them. Yeah, it's a good little moment. Um, I definitely did pick up on it re-watching it. Um, I don't think it contributes anything. <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, no, I don't think it does either. I just think that, you know, an episode like this one where it's not, really grasping for anything deeper um i I can like i'll I'll take those surface level moments and be like yeah like this is a successful bit of television i Mm. I guess like even from a craft point of view like it's just a really nice moment to to Mm. watch you're right um matt smith is pretty good in this episode i will say Uh, another one where he gets to like Mm. show some variations and things and his uh, little smashing up of the dalek um telling it to kill him i love how he does the like He's smashing this Dalek and then he, he's like, kill me. And then he does this thing where he like pats mm. both of his hearts and like really aggressively. Mm. And I was like, fuck, this is like, he's really fucking thinking about it. Um, yes. He has a, a real like youthful physicality to the yeah. world um, that, that not even Tenet had sometimes. Um, it's it's very impressive stuff. Um, what stood out to me in that scene is... Um, so like when they get there and that he sees the Daleks and he's trying to convince everybody, he's like, no, 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 like these are these are evil machines, they're aliens, blah blah blah. Nobody believes him. Um, and then the entire time there are Daleks just rolling around these war rooms, like carrying notes and stuff and, and trying to like help out people. And one of them eventually offers somebody a cup of tea. And then so later on, uh, the doctor and and this same Dalek are sort of in a room together. And the Dalek like offers him tea. And it's that moment that he <laughs> flips out and starts acting really violent yeah. and crazy. And initially I was like, oh that's like a, like a funny goof and I was like no actually if you think about it like 
for him seeing the Daleks portray a mockery of, of human gestures, I think would be a breaking point for him. Like it's not that, that they are there as part of a war. That's, that's kind of like, all right, well, they're violent creatures. They're going to shoot things, but specifically to do a, a small human act. Like, do you want a cup of tea? I think would really like wig his brain out too much. And so like, I, I see it as a really interesting trigger point and like a really clever, like bit of subtle character work for, for both him and the Dalek. Yeah. I think that moment, um, and the way that the Daleks are sort of portrayed in that first period where they are like having to be sneaky and sly and, and, and not owning up to <laughs> what they really want, um, which is that they want to conquer all things and kill everyone, um, mm-hmm. is some of the better stuff about this episode. And um, it is obviously, obviously to me, I don't know if you know about this, um, cribbed from the 60s uh, story Power of the Daleks, which does the same thing. And it even has okay. the them doing a similar sort of line where they keep saying, I am your servant. I am your servant. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Cool. Um, so the fan of me is like, I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're just, you're just doing that same line, but taking out servant and putting soldier in. Um, right. But yeah. then, yeah, like I think even they, the Daleks in that story also offer tea. They keep going around offering tea. Um, but it is like a particular, I suppose that would be a bit like someone cosplaying as drama for you. If the, mm, if the doctor was yeah. like, I've seen you do this before and it's not going to work. <laughs> you, you, it doesn't work. Yeah. Uh, agreed. Agreed. It's, it's a, it's a, just a, a, a fun little bit of, of Dalek doctor stuff, um, which, you know, like the Daleks are a pretty big focal point of, of this mm. episode. Um, you know, they're in the title. It's 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 kind of their their big return under Moffat. And um, uh, let's say Doctor Who fans didn't take it well. Um, no. Which has never happened before. No, no. We're a very happy bunch. It. We've never disliked anything. I do. Okay. There's two things we can talk about here and we should talk about the design of them, but I do want to um, return to this, that concept of fan impact on the show, but let's talk about the, mm-hmm. um, let's talk about the actual design of them. I gotta be honest. I don't hate it at all. I, mm-hmm. I find them, they're definitely a, a, a direct and deliberate um, rejection of sort of every single design aspect of the previous, not only the previous one, but every Dalek that has come up this point, because like every single, like the base, the, the skirt section, the little frill around the eyes and all that stuff. Like it's all out of proportion (laughs) to how they normally are depicted. (laughs) Um, And there is, there is this not like, there are some like cool things about them. Like, they're big, they're imposing. They've mm-hmm. got these like little sharp things around their eyeballs, which look, you know, threatening. And the same way with like the the, f- the little grill around their neck thing uh, is also, it looks quite sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it, it, it almost, it reminds me of like those like creatures, there's lizards and like stuff in the wild that uh, are big and glittery mm-hmm. as a way mm-hmm. of showing you that they're dangerous kind of thing <laughs> agreed um agreed yeah i think it i think it all should work but they're all not talking to each other 
and there's no continuity of design that they just look a bit they just they just look wrong and maybe that's psychological more than anything else i don't know <laughs> yeah it's an odd one isn't it like i i think i i agree with everything you've said um while while we're strictly talking about positives um i think the use of the uh more organic eye uh where they've got like that weird alien slit in them now i i think is genuinely gross <laughs> in a in a very fun way like it makes me uncomfortable um which is good i should be made uncomfortable mm. by a dalek um i i still prefer the the traditional uh sort of like light version um but i do like this i think it complements like you like you said like those uh pointy bits around the eye um i think the problems for me uh the the biggest one that i i can't get past is the um the humpback um it it just looks like there's a whole person sitting inside of there and it's it's real bad it's it just does not look right the proportions are very wrong there um and that big a belt i guess they've got around the the sort of like mm. upper center mm. of them um is it's just too thick and chunky i, I think it, it it uh sort of bifurcates bifurcate yeah, i'm mean. trying to say um cuts them off a bit too much um and the base is too thick um but i think if you just adjusted some of those portions the color scheme and the more organic like you said sort of like natural like sharp flary kind of elements to them i think they look great and i love the colors i love the colors too and i think that they do a really good job of differentiating the daleks and actually better than like the lights on top like you know who's talking at any given time yes um <clears throat> kind Agreed. of thing um I think I agree with what you're saying. And, and that middle section really is like a little shelf almost on in, mm-hmm. on top of them. Yes. That just could have been just slimmed down slightly to make it more in line with the whole design. I'm not, I don't hate the hump. I guess I hate that they made it so pronounced. Um, if it, yeah. ha- again, if, yeah. it, if like you're saying, if those, everything had just been just like, slimmed a slightly bit tweaked a little bit it would have looked better what i do like about the hump obviously and i think this is pretty well known is that there's like a grill thing on the back of the design that in apparently in future stories would have been revealed to open up and a gun would have slid out and the whole middle section would have turned to reveal like a super gun okay um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's why there's like that line yeah, through the middle not? of the design oh yeah got it got it okay i could see yeah it now. but they never did do that because they yeah. chickened out and dropped this design <laughs> completely yes uh which you know because the, it's not just the the visual redesign um you know you've put down in your notes here which at the time i was like don't be a nerd but now that we're here i'm actually very thrilled that you have this here um the the color-coded concept do you just want to uh, walk listeners through what what all yeah thanks about? for bringing that up because you did kind of rip me a little bit when you <laughs> was putting that in there <laughs> i did i was just like nobody's gonna care about the colors and then suddenly i'm like i care about the colors actually <laughs> So the colors are cool um, and they, they name them in this episode and they say what each sort of rank is. Um, and so they've got the red Daleks, which are the drone Daleks, the fighter Daleks. And you've got the blues, which are the strategists, the oranges, which are the um, scientists, the, the white Dalek at the top that is talking is the Supreme Dalek. Um, and then you've got the yellow Dalek, which is the eternal. And I, I just, I just love that rank in and of itself because 
it it open it is does it does that thing of like that, that great storytelling does, which is like drop a little detail and is like you use your imagination and fill in what that could possibly mean. It's mysterious. It's cool. What does the eternal dialect do? Well, we never find out, but like, it's nice to sort of <laughs> speculate and think about that. And I like that little detail in them. Um, and mm-hmm. I like the uniformity of their look across the, the ranks. Um, and I think I remember at the time when this came out, everyone was talking about which color is your favorite. And I think the blue one is my personal favorite, but the red is also quite good. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm partial to the, the red one. Um, I like the yellow just because of its name now. Hmm. Like I can't shake that out of my head. Every time I look at that, the horrible bright yellow, I'm like, what's up with you? Yeah. Like, um, <laughs> um, but like, it's the only one with black, uh, it, bumps on its base. I've just seen. That is actually yeah. true. Oh, see this. Mm, see, this is what bums us out is that like, Yes, they could obviously be tweaked, but they could have been tweaked very easily in the future. And then they could have continued with this whole idea of like, you know, because the the whole point of the plot Mm. here is that like these Daleks are like pure Dalek. Like these are like distilled highest of high end Dalek uh, kind of DNA. And so I think reintroducing them as, as that uh, for Matt Smith's doctor could have gone into so many different directions. And I think that anytime any of these popular franchises sort of like um, bow their heads a bit too much to fan reaction, because fans historically just can't handle new things. It, it never works out. Like there's mm. always a vocal uprising about it. Um, and I just wish that at some point, a franchise would say, no, we know what's right for you here and you're going to eventually love this, but you just need to give us time and we're taking that time. You know who does um, do that very and well? And so, yeah, it... it is uh, Chris Chibnall. Who? <sighs> yes. Chris Chibnall, who has never once changed course from his vision of the show across his two and a half seasons. I mean, um, he gets on a particular bent and he, he doesn't deviate. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think... I, no. I think from memory, this design of Dalek does pop up again, um, but only in sort of cameos. So they come in back in the finale. Mm. They come back in... I think there's like a briefest of brief cameo in the finale of series six. And then um, Asylum of the Daleks in season seven. And these Daleks are there, but they're like spotted throughout the parliament and they're um, at sort of the back... But right. specifically, they have a new paint job and they painted so that the dark, the colors are more muted and there's more black brought and metal look brought out of them. Um, okay. So it, it and that equally annoys me because they did do that recolor specifically against because of fan reaction, but then also never brought them back again. Mm. Um just yeah i don't know and i think this yeah like that goes back to what i w- the second part of this whole discussion that i wanted to talk about which you've pretty much already said everything i wanted to say um which is just <laughs> that it's a shame that uh, and this is i suppose the beginning of something that happens and recurs throughout the moffat era which is like he more than russell t davies ever did is very sort of reactive to and responsive to uh fan reaction um and public Mm -hmm. and popular reaction and you know 
it, there there's a case to be made that you know he's in tune with what people want he responds he's he's not um it's not a hierarchy or like dictatorship or anything like that like he it's it's cool mm-hmm. to have a, a showrunner who is like um involved um but in when it comes to creative decisions and when it comes to like i mean i know this is just a design of a dalek and it's not a story but you know ultimately mm-hmm. it is a story because he was setting up a story about this new dalek paradigm um that then yeah. goes nowhere and these daleks are lost to history so it, it is a shame because the, i think every dalek story from this point on in the moffat era is a case of diminishing returns um and mm-hmm. there isn't a i mean the problem i'm just trying to think if there is actually one that i do genuinely like and i um what about uh the two-parter well that's what i was thinking but even that one is not uh, it's not a favorite of mine particularly i think the into the dalek is probably yeah. my favorite moffat dalek story um okay but i know that some people don't share that opinion so i'm not going to go down that route <laughs> I still barely remember it, so I'm looking forward to, to sort of catching up and, and, like you said, sort of seeing how his interpretation of the Daleks uh, evolves over mm. his run. Um, I want to say, on the note of the writing for the Daleks in this episode, mm. um, there is a moment when the World War II Daleks uh, sort of, like, open up the, the Pandorica, whatever it's called, um, and they, they bring out the, the, the Supreme Daleks, and... Um, Oh, yeah. You know, the Supreme Daleks are like, hey, you guys are impure, and so we're going to cleanse you out of existence now. And the old Daleks are like, yeah, we're prepared for this. Let's fucking do it. And it's like, that's Mm. incredible. Like, the the idea... Because, I mean, Daleks committed to the ideology is one thing, but, like, committed enough to actually go down with the ideology, I think is much creepier and much more interesting because it's not as if they they sort of uh, spin around on the spot being like, no, no, like the the new ones do in Chibnall's era. They're like, no, of course, this is... We're not pure. Like, this is what needs to be done for the cause. Um, And that's a really chilling and, and cool little, like, Dalek character moment for me. Uh, totally. I completely agree. Um, and yeah, it is a very cool and very in, in character moment for the Daleks. Like they are ultimately obsessed with racial purity. So of course that would extend to themselves. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been there for in this, through this whole new era of the show, like in, even in series one where there were the, the like human Daleks and then they were like, absolutely were insane because they were impure, um, Mm-hmm. And all that yeah. kind of malarkey. Um, <laughs> I do like I do like what a clean break the paradigm dialects represent, where they're like, we're we're moving forward in a new direction now. We're we're we are pure dialects, and we're going to build a new dialect empire. Um, I just hate that. Yeah, they didn't do it. Yeah, they just didn't. They didn't do yeah. it. And it sucks. Agreed. It does suck. Um, any other thoughts, feelings, notes on Victory of the Daleks? Well, uh, one, two couple of things. One is uh, the spaceship inside the Dalek spaceship is balls. It sucks. <laughs> it's it's yeah, actually... like a walk-in fridge. <laughs> it's, I think it's pretty well known that it... Or I don't know. Actually, maybe I just am too deep in these things to know what's well known and what's not. But... Um, um, <laughs> the filming location for the, the interior of the ship was like an old tobacco factory and they had to like scrape the tobacco oh. off the walls, but apparently it was excruciatingly hot inside it. It just sounds like the worst place to film anything. 
Um, but it just, it's so boring. Rough, it's okay. just a metal box. I don't know. I think that they could have yeah. done something really cool with this set and they didn't. So that's a shame. Uh, the other thing Agreed. I will say, yeah. I don't know if you, how much you want to talk about this, but um, we didn't talk about Winston Churchill in this episode. Um, I mean, my understanding of Winston Churchill is pretty much exclusively through like pop culture. Um, I, I'm not going to pretend as if I have any real historical understanding of, of the figure mm. other than that, you know, I'm sure he was another British white <laughs> man in that time period. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, I mean, and, and you know, for most people, yes, he, that's all that they really know about him is he's prime minister. He was during, there during the war and he's, he's a symbol of British... Um, British ingenuity and standing up to the Nazis and stuff mm-hmm. like that. The problem I think with this episode is that's all that they ask him to be. Um, in the same way that like Shakespeare in Shakespeare code was like written to be mm. this um, catchphrase sort of <laughs> in spewing version <laughs> of this real person. Um, there isn't a lot of depth yeah. to the very real and very well-documented Churchill um, in this episode, he, he is, he's just there to, to say his catchphrases and, uh, and I think Mm. Ian McNeese gives a fine performance, but it's, um, it's not my favorite thing in the world. Um, and it's odd because also Churchill keeps coming back in the series, but like, as like, he just keeps doing these cameos (laughs) as like one of the doctor's friends. And I find it so odd when they do that. Oh, yeah, doesn't he show up in uh, the Wedding of River Song as well? He does. He does show up in the Wedding of River Song. Oh, um, oh, that feels like a lifetime away, honestly. Uh, I can't. That's wait to watch that episode again. I think it's going to be. I know. I'm so, so excited weird and interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. I just. I, I guess what I'm saying is it actually doesn't like dispute anything that I've already said that the episode is doing. It is just entertainment. But I do think there's a particular kind of, like, irresponsibility, is that a word? Um, mm-hmm. When we're talking about a real historical figure and when that historical figure is then being used to promote a very <laughs> particular pro-British line. I don't know. Maybe I'm being... Yes. Uh, am I being too intellectual about this? No, no. No, I, f- I fully agree. It's one of those arguments that, like, I absolutely would have made about any other episode of the of the show as well. Like, I own, like, I know so little about Churchill that I was just kind of like, eh, whatever, and didn't actually think about mm. it at all. But I do agree that I think that when Doctor Who does use these historical figures and, you know, very selectively paints them in a certain way, um, I think, you know, Madame Ching is a really good recent example yeah. of this, right? Where the real history and documented nature of this person is completely dropped just so they can have like a swashbuckling adventure kind of thing and you know it seems like that's exactly what they've done with Churchill here um and you know I I do think it is more egregious especially when we're talking about political figureheads um Mm. and like you said in a script that is so black and white about its uh, representation of the British's uh heroes and whatnot um which you know I feel like people often say World War II is definitely the one where you could most clearly define good and bad guys um but I definitely take your point that like having absolutely no nuance to to this sort of like historical figure writing is is not the way to go about it i mean like yeah i'm not saying that this episode needs to be like (laughs) churchill was also racist um churchill was also homophobic (laughs) yeah i know that those things are not relevant to this script but it it does just suck a little bit and 
that <laughs> you go in the complete opposite direction of saying this man was a hero. This man was, uh, you know, and because he was a hero to many, I'm sure, to get through a very extremely difficult period of history that we were not mm. alive for, of course. Um, but <sighs> he's not a hero. People are complicated. I just wish I'd acknowledged mm. that a little yeah. bit. Yeah, but it. Agreed. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Done being a little yep. poo-pooer. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. You're you are fine. Uh, Victory of the Daleks. What are you going to grade it? It's probably a B minus, right? Yeah, I, I was gonna say solid B, but I don't think that's entirely fair. I, I think a B minus is is where it's at. Like, I don't think it's any lower than that, but I don't think it's any higher than a B yeah. either. So, um, yeah, B, B-, B- minus. B- B minus. Let's go with the B minus. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's do it. Let's go. Let's do. Oh, that's a callback. That's a that is a real throwback to the beginning of Isn't our podcast. Isn't it just? I was just thinking that far out. Wow, how far we've come. Um, well, there you go. Another episode done. Uh, Victory of the Daleks. Pretty pretty okay. Pretty yeah. okay. Um, in in two weeks' time, we're going to be back for a wild ride that I think both of us are pretty excited for. Ah, oh, I am. I'm very excited to talk about this two parter. I don't know how we're going to do it. It. Mm, what do I want to say? Uh, don't blink. Ooh. Oh. That's too much exposition. <laughs> no, it it, 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 this is a, this is a good rollicking, good episode of good fan favorite. So I'm very much looking forward to it, um, in a fortnight, but until then, oh wait, no, you have to do your little spiel. Sorry. I do. I do have to do my little spiel. Th- thanks, co-host. <laughs> um, as always, uh, thank you, everybody at home, to uh, for listening to us every fortnight. <laughs> I read that sentence so well. Um, if you would like, please drop us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you can review the show because it helps us grow and it does make us feel better about ourselves and our life choices. Uh, we do also love to hear your thoughts and opinions. So if you would like, you can reach out to us on social media at uh, you know Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Two Hearts Pod, and that's to the number two, or you can email us at Two Hearts Podcast at gmail.com, and that's to the word two. Uh, I've been James, and you can find me on twitter at omg more james and i've been callum and you can find me on twitter and instagram at theatra callum wonderful wonderful well we will see you beautiful people in two weeks time for um a little a little blinky winky fun times <laughs> and, mm. and cut the episode not cut the episode work. <laughs> yeah just stop 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 the episode <laughs> all right we'll see you folks later bye